Welcome to the Green Feed Podcast. I'm your host, Robert, and we got a great show today. All right, so this week I have another guest on. I am continuing the trend of having people on, interesting people to talk to. And this week I am talking with Matt from Inside the Grip. He's a fellow golf blogger. He's someone who I found on Twitter, kind of moved over to his blog, started following him over there. I think he makes some really great content and some content that I think you guys would love as well. So um, I want you guys to follow him on Twitter at Inside the Grip. And then I would love if you guys visited his page and support the people that support me. If you have any questions for me or Matt, I don't want to speak for him 100%, but I'm sure if you reached out to him via social media, he would be more than happy to help, as would I. So, without any more delay, let's get to the interview with Matt. Hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody. So, I am joined today by Matt. He is from, he's a fellow uh, golf blogger from Inside the Grip. So it's insidethegrip.com. I really kind of started following him on Twitter. I love his content. His content's great. So I wanted to get him on and kind of tell you guys, uh, introduce you guys to some other cool people that I see on Twitter and really bring golf Twitter to life. How are things going today, Matt? Hey there, good, Robert. How's everything going with you? Not too bad. I'm down here in Texas and um, it's freezing for Texas. So I'm like bundled up in my, in my, uh, office right now trying to stay warm yeah i think we uh here in indiana it's uh typically cold this time of year but i think a lot of it has went south for you guys so <laughs> yeah so the midwest weather <laughs> yeah for sure i was a um so in a past job i was a territory manager for indiana so i had the whole state okay. in terms of high schools where in indiana are you so i'm actually kind of in the southern part of the state southeast part of the state uh near cincinnati Okay. Minneapolis. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, probably only about thirty minutes from Cincinnati. Okay. So you're, a, you're. Uh, I notice a lot of Indiana cities are suburbs of cities in other states. So that's kind of like you got Indiana yeah. with Chicago. Like people who work in Chicago. I went to Bettinardi one time, and one of the guys there was like, "Yeah, I drive in from Indiana," and. Here in Texas, that is just a novel idea, the idea of driving in from another state to work. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of split up in different regions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but Indiana's a, a – you know, a lot of people think Midwest and, you know, what do the politicians call it, flyover country. But I really enjoyed yep. Indianapolis when I went. Indianapolis was a, was a fun city to be in. I went to a Indi, Indianapolis Indians game and – there were some good breweries, stuff like that. It's a it's a really fun city. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff up there. You know, I, I know when the Super Bowl was up there a few years back, um, granted we had some great weather that kind of came through, but a lot of people really loved it. You know, uh, a lot of things to do, a lot of, you know, neat things to do, like you said, the Indians, and, you know, you got the Colts and the Pacers and a few things like that to, to do also. All right. So let's just – kind of learn a little bit about you what's kind of your history in golf was this a lifelong thing or is it something you jumped into when you got older what's the uh what's the story man yeah so it's kind of funny so i played uh i never played golf as a kid growing up at all um i played baseball in the summer um you know basketball in the winter and you know football in the fall and uh just never really got into golf uh you know i mean the closest thing i got when i was a kid was like tiger woods pga and uh <laughs> yep so when I so when I graduated, I had a couple of buddies that I were close friends with that um, they they played on the golf team and stuff, and and we'd go to the driving range or something, but it was never in depth of, of golf and understanding golf at all. And and um, so once I graduated, I, I kind of just you know started gradually looking for something to compete in, I guess, and, and play with some buddies, and, and I kind of just fell in love with the game of golf. I, we have a local country club here in town, and I would. I would go out there all the time and I was so frustrated. And I think everybody who's ever picked up a golf club understands how easy they make it look online or on TV when you're watching. And I was just, I was frustrated at how bad I was at it. And I just had this determination to get better. And I spent tons of time out there. One thing led to another. I started to kind of get to know the people out there. And um, about a year after high school, I ended up working out there, getting a job in the summertime. And I spent, 
literally sun up to sundown. I wanted to know every aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. I worked in the pro shop. I, then I started mowing greens, changing pins. Um, I mean, picking the range, like you name it. I was like a utility player on the golf course. Uh, I did. I wanted to know everything. I, 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 you know, was just drawn to it like no other sport I've ever, uh, ever been a part of. And that's just kind of what has led to, you know, inside the grip and playing all the time. And if I, if I had to work in the evening, I played in the, in the morning. And if I had to work in the morning, I played in the evening and it was just kind of, you know, as a young college kid who who could live off just like cheap beer and, and pizza and, and <laughs> play golf for free. And that's what I did. You know, it's funny. That's my exact story, too. I played baseball growing up and uh, I can totally relate to how frustrating it is when you have that baseball swing and you're just hitting those yeah. huge slices, right? Banana slices right off the off the range. And the people are looking at you like you are not good at this game. And then. <laughs> And then I got a summer job working uh, maintenance for a golf course. I was doing, like you said, mowing greens, changing cups. The job they had me do was um, I had to weed eat around the bunkers. Oh, yes. I've done so, that. Oh, God. And then I'm in Texas, so it's 105 degrees. <laughs> and I show up and I didn't wear jeans my like first day. I was like, it's outside. I'll be in shorts. And it felt like I was just standing in a sand blaster, just getting hit with the sand from the weed eater. And so you start wearing jeans from then on. It was ridiculous, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I know exactly what you're talking about those days. <laughs> it hurts, you know, man. It, it hurts. Oh, absolutely. Clean out sprinkler head. Just, <laughs> just, just doing whatever, you know. And uh, I was at a kind of funny. Oh, go ahead. I was I was at an old course that had bad like um, sprinkler systems. And so I probably spent every other day digging down, finding pipes so that we could put a seal on them. And you're just digging in mud and the holes filling up with water. It just sucked. <laughs> but I got free golf, so. <laughs> right. That's how it was with me, too. You know, it was kind of like that was the pitch. It's like, you know, you're not going to make a ton of money. But, uh, you know, the flip side, you, you get basically free golf and two bucks to rank ball a day. And I was like, I'm in. I mean, that yeah. was the benefits Sold. I needed. In, Sold. Uh, yep. So yep. It, yeah. I was like 19. I was at my parents' house during the summer and I got the job and I would wake up at, you know, five in the morning and be out there at six to, to weed eat and stuff, be done at noon because they don't want to pay you overtime and, and you're part-time. So you're out there for five, six hours. I'd go home. I would go home and actually take a nap and just try to cool off. And then I'd go out and play 18, 27 holes. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. And it's kind of funny too, you know, when I, when I first, you know, started to pick up the club and, and really understand the game, I was so embarrassed because I thought, you know, like, there's no way I'm so bad. Like I don't want to play in front of anybody. And then it, it, you know, it took me about a year to really figure out that, you know, there's a lot of people who's played this game for 20 some years and they still suck. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, uh, it's, a, it's a challenging game, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Um, I used to talk with our golf pro all the time, you know, cause we, we would have a big handicap list. I help run like leads stuff and if you mm-hmm. just average it out it probably would be the upper 15 the upper 20 it would be a mm-hmm. normal handicap for a person and he always tell would tell me he would always be like you know the crazy thing is too those are people who play all the time imagine what the ha- average handicap is for people who don't even really pick up the club right so right it was always something where i was like you know it always made you feel better yeah uh, you know as you played the game yeah my my goal to start playing was um when i first got into it it was late high school so we my my story is we moved from Dallas to Waco uh, my junior year, and I and I I was burned out with baseball, and so I wanted to find a new game. So I was late into high school, so I didn't even really play in high school. But once I got to college, I was kind of like, I want to be good enough at this at this game that when I get a job and I have to go play in a charity tournament, I don't embarrass myself. Yeah. Like that was the goal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I. Yeah, I kind of had a fortunate. There was a, a kid that came, ended up coming one of my good friends for a while. Um, he was a Division One golfer, getting ready mm. to be a Division One golfer at the time. And and you know, I always wanted to play. I'm sure he hated playing with me at first, but I was just fascinated with the fact that someone was this good. You know, you, you just wanted to be like, I am determined to get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. It was always nice to kind of play with him. And there was another guy that used to play uh, on the um, Canadian tour back in the day. Oh, nice, nice. Um, and he would come out and play sometimes with us. Uh, we played with his dad too. And um, it was always kind of fun to play with them and just see that extra level, you know, of how good of a golfer you you got to be to play at the next level. 
Yeah, man, it's an it's insane how good you have to be. Like I played, I worked at a golf academy, and those guys would go out, and they used to. So when I first started working there, they wouldn't let me go out with them. I just wasn't good enough, right? Correct. And like that sounds terrible, but when there's three class A pros out there, they don't want some guy who's going to hack up and shoot 95 with them. It just takes forever. But I finally got right, good right. enough where they let me go out with them, and we would do a cart battle. And the guy I'm playing with was the – I would probably say he was the best golfer at the academy. He was on my team. And we get through the round, and we figure out who won, who lost. And he starts calculating his score, and he goes, hmm, I shot two under. And I was like, oh, that's just casual <laughs> for you? Like, <laughs> what is happening here? I, I know what you mean. It's kind of crazy when you get some of these people that, that play at that, that next level. Because, you know, you get your average, like, five or six handicap that's really good golfer or something. Mm-hmm. Or even, like, a two to three handicap where it's just really, really good. But then there's, like, another step when you get to that plus two, plus three <laughs> handicap. And you're just kind of looking like, you know, my God, like, <laughs> how do you I'm do I'm playing that? a different game. I'm playing a different game. Yes. It's, like, uh, it's this quite is a different sport. So. So I want to get into a little bit of your blog and what inspired you to one make the blog and then what do you hope to gain from the blog, if that makes sense? Like what is the what's the end goal? What are some of the goals you have for your blog? Yeah, so um, you know, the equipment stuff is something that kind of fascinates me. I mean, it's a colossal of, of industry equipment. You know, you have your big kind of top tier people, there's a few middle of the pack people, and then you have a lot of smaller, really successful companies. That I think, you know, the more with social media has really came up in the spotlight of things and, and shown that, you know, with new technology that it, they are uh, capable of, you know, producing great clubs. And I was just kind of, it's nice sometimes, I think, to just kind of show a light to people, um, you know, different clubs and, and, and prices on things. You don't always have to buy a $600 driver that make your game better. There are other options and, and um so that 600 driver might be great quality in, in, in a great club. There are other options you can choose from if you don't want to spend that much money. Um, and then the other thing and I've kind of spent, you know, spent off this a little bit is just, I'm curious in, in, in terms of like golf business stuff. I, I, you know, done a couple like quick interviews on the site. Sub 70 golf was one um, super speed golf. Um, I have a couple more I, I kind of in the process of working and just kind of understanding like golf companies, some struggles, how they came up with the ideas to kind of, you know, benefit the game we love. Mm-hmm. And I am really intrigued with that, you know, and, and just kind of finding out more details about those companies. And and that's why I think, you know, kind of a goal is, is just, you know, similar to your, your site, which, you know, you have a great site is just kind of, you know, allowing people to have a different access to a, a little bit different, um, you know, niche in the golfing community. Definitely. Like for me, I want to be the everyman golfers spot, right? Uh, especially the golf industry, we can kind of talk over people's heads, but that guy who goes out and plays once a month or plays in his, you know, company's scramble every year and he goes and plays two rounds of golf before that, that, that guy, he won, he's probably not spending $600 on his, on his driver. And, and while we're all fascinated by that kind of stuff, there are lots of terms that we, like I said, we talk over people when it comes to golf, lie angles and loft and, oh, it needs to be too flat. And, and I think, I think we just got to make golf equipment in my opinion, because I'm a huge equipment guy. Like I, I, I watch the PGA tour, but I'm not a guy who's like on a Sunday squared up to do it because I want people like my dad who are higher handicaps who just go out and have fun with me and, and his friends, I want them to be able to have a good time while they're out there. So we, how can I, how can I get that guy to have more fun? Well, I can get him to hit the ball further. I can get him to hit the ball straighter. And then if we can get him to do it at a cheap price, that's pretty good. Like pre-owned clubs have this like weird, some people love them. Some people hate them. I don't see anything wrong with them. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Cause you know, and, and you're exactly right about like, you know, a person like your dad and other people like that. So like, um, you know, if you're a 25 handicap and it's more power to you, if you want to play the pro V ones, but there, the point being is you don't have to pay $50 for, you know, 12 golf balls right? or, you know, whatever it is. And, and, and you're right about that to, to find, you know, more ways out. And, cause you know, one thing that kind of 
used to drive me nuts about even when I worked at the golf course, especially in the pro shop and talk to people. Um, trying to get them basically to sign up for our club if they would come in and ask questions. And I'd be like, man, it's expensive, and I don't play, and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I think that's sometimes a narrative in golf that gets pushed that it's so expensive. And there's sure, there's certain clubs out there that are really expensive. But for, yep. I mean, for the standard municipal course and your clubs, and you can really play this game really cheap. Right. And, and, and enjoy it. And it's something, like you said, you know, in your site and just finding the clubs and, and you don't have to, you know, spend six hundred dollars on a driver and and four hundred on a putter. Like, it, you know, there's different avenues you can take that are also going to be really great products to make you, you know, more, you know, budget friendly and and still get the same outcomes. Yeah, for sure. In in my so I actually had another website and then I got a job at UST and then I left UST and I decided to start it back up. But one of the things I love doing was you give me a budget and I can go, excuse me, I can go online and I can find you some really good clubs under that budget. If you give me at least 200 bucks, we can find you some pretty good stuff. That's going to get you not laughed off the golf course. Cause I think that's another thing with people is they, they see some of the older stuff and they, they're, they're embarrassed to be seen with it. I guess like, I'm not going to tell you to go show up with a persimmon at this huge thing and, and a pair of 1950s blades. Like, don't do that. But we can get you something from 95 and newer. Like, if you walk out with a set of Ping I-2s and a, and a 905R, you're not getting laughed at. And, in fact, you're probably going to play some pretty good golf. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember when I first started playing, I, I got some kind of hand-me-down clubs. And then when I had um, – met a couple um, older gentlemen at the golf course and started kind of playing in one of their, one of their weekend games. He had, I wish I could remember the names of the clubs, but they're Mizunos and they're, I mean, they're like perfect condition. The guy was like a, a almost a scratch player and you know that the clubs, they're probably like 10 years old, but they're in great condition, mm-hmm. brand new grips basically. And he was like, do you want these? And I was like, I can't afford them. He's like 50 bucks. You'll have the set. I was like, what? He's like, but you know, that's kind of how the golf equipment He's like, I can't, I won't even be able to get 50 bucks out of this. If I put it online They're 10 years old, no one, you know what I mean? Yep. Cause it's, you know, they come out with clubs so many years. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. And I took them in and you're right. Like one, they're great looking clubs. You know, they're basically brand new grips and it's like $50 right there. You know, I'm a broke college kid and I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> but you know, you're right. Like someone gave you a budget, like you can find avenues to, to get, you know, good gear yep. and, and good irons. And, and things like that. Um, so the outlets are out there. And that's why I always, sometimes I always push back on people because I think they always got, you know, thrown up to the idea of walking into like a Dick's Sporting Goods and seeing the brand new Callaway or TaylorMade yep. or whatever, whatever club it was. And it's like, oh my God, I'm not paying $500 for, you know, this driver or hybrid or whatever it would be. Yeah. It's like when I talk to my wife and I'm like, hey, I'm looking at this driver and she's like, how much is it? I'm like, 500 bucks and she's like for one club i'm like yeah that's gonna <laughs> yeah you know it, it's, it's it's true you know you, you some people but i like, hit it two I... yards further <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was i was in the simulator and i was killing it you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you, you can it's... make this game cheap if you want to like i have a course down the street from me it's a it's for the city that i live in it's a municipal yeah. course and for residents it, Residence Twilight, it's twenty bucks with cart. Oh wow! Like, yeah, why, you can't beat that. I mean, I get you that. I get you a set of clubs for two hundred bucks. You're on the course for less than two hundred and fifty bucks. We used to run a deal on Sundays. It was like the best thing. In the middle of the summer, when the sunlight would stay up to like nine thirty, almost ten. It, it was mm-hmm. Sunday after five. The course would be wide open, like perfect condition. It was eighteen dollars, eighteen holes in a cart, non-member. And you it. literally couldn't beat it. Love I mean, it. it was just perfect. And I mean, I, you get some people take advantage of it, but other, I mean, it was just a great deal, you know, yep. and, and it was something that it was, it was really cool to, to kind of be able to promote. Yeah. That's, that's a really, that's an awesome deal too. So are you a rider or are you a walker? I'm kind of a mixture. Um, I, I honestly, I like to walk. Um, I, I don't mind it at all. Get some exercise and I, I think I play better when I walk. <laughs> Strangely, I don't want to slow myself down. Um, I usually carry the bag, uh, but you know, certain groups, uh, you have a lot of people who just ride, and I, I'll hop in. 
you know, with them and ride. I don't really have a, a necessarily a big preference, but I do. I am one of the people that do like to walk. I mean, it was funny when, when I worked out there and would get free golf, I would oftentimes just walk. Everybody was like, what are you doing? Like, I just honestly, I mean, and I got, I could go in there and just grab a key and play mm-hmm. and I would prefer to walk. So I don't know. Are you, what are, what are you kind of a walker I, rider? I prefer, so I'm like you, I play better when I walk. Cause I get a better feel of how the green, the green is, how it is sloped and all of that but man it's too hot down here i mean i probably have yeah yeah. i probably have three weeks of good walking weather and i'm just like let's just go like i yeah if it's gonna be 102 degrees i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not walking like (laughs) i know it sounds terrible but i'm not doing it i'm not doing it like and the other thing is down here most of our tea times include cart so I'm not just right. going to be like, nah, like if you're going to give it to me, if I'm already paying for it, yeah. now, if they were well, going to offer that me. was the other thing. Yeah. Uh, we used to run a deal or another golf course in the area. It was like a $2 difference. Yeah. So um, there, there was no advantage to walking other mm-hmm. than if you just honestly wanted to walk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it, it fits included in the price. And honestly, most courses, like you can walk, but down here we weave through so many, especially our public tracks. We weave through neighborhoods that it gets it gets difficult to walk. You know, you gotta yeah. you gotta walk through somebody's yard, and that kind of feels weird. So, right, right, yeah, it's got to be a certain track to be able to walk. There's, there's right, some I've right. played that just goofy layouts, and like you, this would be impossible. You would never be able to walk this. Yeah, like we have one that one down the street is a good walking course, except for like three holes where you have huge elevation change. And so it's just like, right. I don't want to do that. Man. I just, I don't. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. All right. So I know we have kind of a set list, list of questions, but we'll go to the next one. Who's the dream interview for you and why? Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Uh, and this is uh, kind of someone who just played about a week ago, uh, uh, Charles Barkley. Okay. I, uh, I'm fascinated with him in uh, in terms of this. If you could get Charles, and the reason I say this, um, kind of off the cuff, I think he would have great golf stories out there. If he's a huge gambler, and you know he likes to drink and, and, mm-hmm. and cigars, and, and and you know he's he's played with tons of people, um, I think he's someone. If you could get him kind of an off color, off color interview, it would just be absolute great content. Um, Hell, know, he's I, barely I he's funny. barely on color anyways. Yeah, exactly. That's the best part. You know, he, he's real and authentic when he, when he talks. You know, that's the best thing about him, too. I, I love I love that about him. You know, he don't care, you know, what anybody says or, or you know, says about him. And, and basically, you know, when he is on TNT, uh, like you said, he's barely, <laughs> he's barely off color. Then so if you can grab him like in a bar setting in a sense of doing a, an interview podcast, he would be mm-hmm. someone I think that would be fascinating. Um, that, just that's to sit down and listen to. Not an answer I would have thought, but actually a really good answer. Pretty pretty good answer on that one. You know, a thing about Charles, though, and this is going to be a very unpopular opinion, that swing isn't that bad if he would just complete it. If that, right, right. If that swing doesn't have the hitch, you see that swing on a Saturday at any golf course. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He seems like, like he, he's worked at it some. Yeah. You know, when he played with Phil and, and uh, Steph and, and Manning there last Friday for the little thing. But you're right. Like, it really isn't terrible. Um, it, it's just that hitch. If you And he yeah. did the Haney Project. And I don't know if you ever watched any of the yep. Haney Project with him. Yeah. But when he's not surrounded by the crowd, he was putting a good little swing on it. And he, Haney had him on playing and hitting good shots. He just gets yeah. He just gets nervous. Well, I think I, I, I've listened to interviews with him too. He's actually at some time, like he, I think he got down, and I could be wrong on this. I'd probably have to go back and fact check, but he got down to a single digit. I think it was like an eight or nine handicap yeah. at the time. Like he yeah. was a pretty good player, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, and, you it, know, he's it, it, crazy. Yeah, he he just has that hitch, man, and and he's just. He, I think he gets nervous and he, he knows everybody's going to make fun of his swing and he just has that, he, he's got a yip, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. He's someone I think, another person that I, I'd find, and I think it's just kind of recency bias, just to kind of dive into his head, uh, is probably Jordan Speed. I would just kind of want to know, like, you know, 
what's the future? What, what's what's the next step here? And obviously, yeah. the dude, you know, loaded with talent, and and, it, and he's won, you know, numerous times on the tour, ending four majors. So it just seems like he's kind of lost it. But I don't know. I think he'd be someone to, to kind of sit down with and just kind of talk through it and, you know, go over some things. Yeah. Who, who, in your eyes, would be someone you would love to have? Um, Obviously, the, the obvious answer here is Tiger, right? Um, right, right. But Tiger's so buttoned down that you're not going to get any good content out of Tiger. See, that, right? And that's the big thing with Ty. Yeah, that would be my thing, too. You know, he's very secure about things. So I don't know, even though – you could have a great interview. I don't think you'd get much new information from him. Yeah, yeah. Another name that hardly anybody, unless you're deep into the weeds and golf equipment, a name people don't know but has been probably one of the most influential people in golf in the last 15 years is Harry Arnett. Harry Arnett was okay, yeah. the, he was the director of marketing for TaylorMade during when they were at the peak of their TaylorMadeness you know, with the rocket balls and the uh, all that stuff. And then at the same time, he was at Callaway, or not at the same time, but later he moved over to Callaway, and he took Callaway to the next level. The The reason yep. why Call, Callaway was always a big name in, in golf, but, man, if you remember, some of those clubs that they were coming out with just weren't good. Like when they had the uh, the whole Razor Hawk series, like that Razor Hawk, and then they had the FTI like they were down, they were getting their butts whooped by by TaylorMade, and they hired away Harry Arnett. And Harry Arnett is a marketing genius. I don't care what anybody says, and he everything he touched goes to gold. And I would just love to know what it was like coming up with with different names for products and how he has come up with these marketing plans that he has because he's been the guy who has changed golf equipment over the last fifteen years. Yeah, no, that is actually someone, um, you know, that, that I am kind of familiar with in terms of the marketing thing. You know, most prominent, I, you know, you know him from, I think, at least me, I, I remember him more doing stuff with Callaway because I think, mm-hmm. you know, once I got to know or know of him, it was when kind of social media was kind of coming up a big too. Yep. More when I got more on the Twitter and things, and you did see that Callaway notch. And you're right, like, I mean, hell, Callaway's everywhere now. Yep. You know, I mean, it, I, I think they, I think I just read not, maybe a month ago or something, a month and a half ago, they've got a big deal now with uh, Top Golf. They bought Top Golf. Yeah, Callaway yeah, bought. You know, so. so they had a they had a little bit of a partnership, and and that's what cracked me up about the Callaway um, about the Callaway uh, press release on on uh, on the partnership with Top Golf. They didn't partner with Top Golf. They bought Top Golf. They valued it at like 2.2 billion or something like that. Like it was insane. So, I, yeah, he he left Callaway like a couple of years ago, but he really was the guy who put his 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 fingerprints are all over the golf industry. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and and it's um they they seem to be the one company that who's really taken mold of the of the marketing. Yep. More than any other place, in my yep. opinion. Like everywhere yep. you look, I feel like you see the Callaway brand. It's kind of joking. Like it's like the State Farm. <laughs> right. State Farm's everywhere. They're sponsored right. something. Yep. Some show you listen to or whatever. If it's golf related in any way, shape, or form, it has a Callaway sponsorship. Yep. It seems. Yeah, and and so. he he was he was a huge player in in all of that. Whenever whenever people would talk about TaylorMade, they'd say TaylorMade's not a golf company; they're a marketing company. Well, their VP of global marketing is pretty good. And then now people say the same thing about Callaway. When you look at it, you're like, same guy. So it's just it's just really interesting. He would be he would be fascinating to me. I I, I feel like I could talk with him for four hours and just pick his brain. Yeah, that's something too, and that and that. Kind of really, you know, it goes back to kind of my point. Like, I love diving into more of the golf business stuff, and that's a prime mm-hmm. example. Like he mm-hmm. just brought up, just picking yeah. his brain and just being like, "So lay this out to me. Did you did you think of these ideas? Did something just come together? You know, it would be yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would be that would be a really good interview for me. All right, so we talked about how the release cycles and how they release things every so often and things like that. How much of the 2021 stuff have you seen? Yeah, so I've seen a little bit of the stuff. Um, I saw something uh, the other day I thought was quite interesting. You know, I've, I've kind of uh, known Vice for a while now. Once they came up, I kind of read their backstory and thought they were a real intriguing when they first started. 
And I saw that. I don't know if you saw this. They they have partnered up with Adidas and kind yep. of doing a golf shoe. It's uh, I don't know. I, I kind of got mixed vibes on it. I I, I saw the shoe, and, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I'm seeing a trend. I think more and more. And um, I have the Foot Joy SL Carbons, you know, and they don't have the traditional spikes. But in these, these they almost look like a running shoe. These Adidas Spice Golf shoes. Yep. And I don't know if that's kind of a more uh, the trend they're kind of going off of now. I mean, you obviously have your traditional golf shoes, but it, it seems more and more that they're kind of pushing that. Um, I don't know if that's something you've noticed as well, but I, yeah, I have kind I, of seen that more come about. Mm-hmm. There, I think the traditional like golf shoe isn't nearly so golf's gotten a lot. Even since I started playing in 2008, golf's gotten a lot more casual. And so yes. I, I myself, I am not a fan of spikeless golf shoes. I actually got a set uh, given to me by Skechers when I was in a tournament, and then I got to play them at Pebble Beach. And humble brag there, totally a humble brag. Um, <laughs> uh, and my foot slipped out, and I was like, well, maybe that's just, a, you know, that happened a little bit. And then I brought them home, and I was playing uh, – playing a little municipal here and it was a dry day and usually they say those are better for dry days but out here we have that kind of really hard clay cracked like you don't get any grip on that and my foot slipped on that as well and so for me I was done with the um I was done with the spikeless there um it, it it's just not worth it to me but I do like those vice those vice uh shoes I think they look pretty good it's a little weird I mean, I get it. They're both German companies, so I get how they partnered up. Right. But, but it's almost like you want to tell Vice, dude, stay in your lane right now. You got some really good. You got a good golf ball. That's what I've been using all years, the Vice. Yeah, so yeah. I'm just like, you got some good stuff. Just stay in your lane a little bit here, bud. Like, <laughs> let's, <laughs> it let's is foot- kind of. It is funny. <laughs> yeah, you're just you like know. let 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 Footjoy have shoes. You don't need to do shoes. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I think sometimes it, and who knows, it may be wildly successful. It's hard to say. I don't know if this, you know, going to be just a limited time thing, and you know, maybe. Uh, but it does. It kind of strangely sometimes I think you get a company and starts gradually growing, and they think they got to go in like seven different directions. Yeah. yeah. Um, to grab you know more of the market, and it's like if you stay in your in your lane, like you just said, stay in your market, stay in your niche. You're wildly successful. You don't have to branch off and try to mimic everything. Right, just you be know, a, just um, be a millionaire. You don't need to be a billionaire. Like being yeah, a millionaire and, and is perfectly I, fine. Absolutely, you know I think that <laughs> as well. Uh, another thing that I I think that it's kind of becoming more of a trend in golf, and I think it's going to continue to grow is um, you know more custom design options. Mm-hmm. I, I think TaylorMade coming out with like you know a, a Blake Putter design where you can kind of customize your own clubs more. Yep. Um, I'm, I I really believe that's going to be more of a trend um, with people just in general. It's going to be, I think, you know, you're going to have days in, depending on your budget and you, know, you can spend whatever you want on clubs, but I think you're going to come down to almost like, you know, building a set from scratch. You're going to have basically an empty playbook at one time and just build stuff. Yeah. And yeah. this may be the, your budget, it, it may be expensive, but I think that's kind of something that I'm starting to see more and more in, in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um that people are kind of wanting and they like to have that option. Yeah. I mean, everybody has the ability to do it now, right? I think the only one you can't get, the only major OEM that you can't get stuff from would be Cobra. But, I mean, Callaway has had their custom program for a while. TaylorMade has their putters and stuff like that. They have their wedges. I don't think you can get irons yet. But, I mean, Cleveland on their zip cores, you can get the raw with the stamp and the different paint colors. That's definitely a thing that's going to – that that is going to happen pretty soon. Have you seen any of the 2021 clubs? Yeah, I saw the, a little bit on the Strixon, uh the irons. Those look good. Oh, they, uh, those do look good. That's kind of an underrated, and I can get your opinion on this too. Um, I've kind of been big on this in the past probably like year and a half. Um, you know, it kind of goes back to our point about club makers, and, and people would always be like, you know, if you played Cobra, like, ah, oh, those clubs are junk. Or, right. Or, or uh, if you play ping, oh, playing ping's not very good. You know, you would have like your your Titleist and TaylorMade and Callaway, mm-hmm. kind of big three, I would assume. But then you kind of have like you know, like we said, the ping and Cobras and Strixons of the world. Like, 
I think with technology uh, and, and the advancements of like, you know, moderations with AI into equipment, like I think the gap on, on club manufacturers is getting so small. Like I don't know, it, obviously there's differences, but I, I'm, I really believe like anymore it's, it's getting so small, like whatever club you pick up is going to be a good product if they put I, effort into it. I, I certainly feel the same way. Um, any, any, any company you walk into um, PGA Tour Superstore and you find their stuff or Dick's Sporting Goods, that they're going to all play well. It's just a matter of finding the one that gives you that extra two yards or maybe increases yeah. your spin rate on a wedge by 150. But that doesn't mean that Joe down the street doesn't get that 150 RPM. It's all in how you approach the ball. And, like, this, the stuff now, everybody makes good stuff. Like, I've, I haven't picked up a club in probably two or three years and gone, oh, my God, this is terrible. How could anyone even do this? <laughs> exactly. Well, like, it's kind of funny. I, it, I, I picked up uh, – I, I play now. Um, I got them last year, the uh, Wilson D7 Forged Irons. Great idea. Like, I, I mean, yeah, I love them. Super forgiving, great club. And, you know, who's Wilson? Like, I know him as basically a baseball company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he mm-hmm. picked these clubs up and was like, like, how do these ever get a bad rap? Yeah. And it's just, it's like you said, you know, you haven't picked up a club and you never and hit it. But like, this is just junk. Like, I mean, it's an absolute fascination of just each company that it keeps molding this equipment to make it better for, you know, the consumer. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think there's a lot of gimmicks in golf clubs, but I think a lot of the gimmicks work. Like when you heard jailbreak for Callaway, you're like, well, that kind of sounds dumb. But then next thing you know, you hit it, and you're like, oh, I do pick up ball speed with that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. like I said, there's no bad club anymore. Like I've never – there may be ones that don't fit you better, but they all sound pretty good. They all feel pretty good. They all look pretty good. They all perform. Like, I can't think of a club that I picked up and was seven yards shorter than another club. Yeah, I 1,000% agree. And the other thing I think that, and granted, you know, the pros play different clubs than what the amateur plays. But what I think you can really see it changing in a landscape is when when you have Gary Woodland signed with Wilson. You know, when you have, you know, Tony Finau signed with Ping, um, you know, I, obviously, you're going to have more guys, like more top players that probably play Taylor May at a title. It's so down, down the list. But, you know, I don't think that, you know, Tony Finau isn't just signing with Ping just because he's going to make more money. Right. Um, you know, I'm sure some of it had, can you can go down the line and pick different outcomes. Yeah, sure, they may pay you more for, for this or that. But uh, point being is I, I think you are seeing it even on the professional level of these manufacturers closing the gap on one another. Yep. Yep, I, I dare somebody to look at the Wilson Staff Staff Model Blade and tell me that that's not the prettiest blade iron to exist in the world right now. It's incredible. I know it is. Like uh, I don't play blades. It's because uh, me neither. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just to me, I just not. I, I could I play them probably. I would not get the near out of my game as I would with right. you know bigger cavity backs, but. Um, I, I'm with you. When you see that club, it's just like, wow. Like, this, this took time and effort, and this is a great club. Yep. Yep. All right. So, I got to ask you. I see you did some reviews of the Maltby stuff on uh, on your website. Big fan of the Maltby brand? Yeah. It, it's not, it's like one of those, it goes back to like the um, budget saving stuff, right? You know, like here, like, you don't want to pay a lot of, a whole lot of money. Um, but here's another great, great outcome. Uh, I have a, uh, my brother and his, uh, one of his best friends, they, they do at the local club, just kind of on the side, they, they do club repairs yep. for people. Um, and they have those kind of around and they're like, yeah, you got to try to hit this one time. And I'm like, ah, no, like, I never even like, I'm not going to hit this. So then I, I started hitting and I'm like, this is pretty good. And they told me the price and I'm like, give me one. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like goes back to your point, like uh, of, of just different, you know, options for people. And that's like, right. There's a prime example, you know, don't, don't like, if you could put a sticker on those clubs, if you could put a, a piece of tape and just told somebody to go hit them, yep. you know, how much of that influence their opinion when they look at it and go, well, yeah. this, you know, this is a big name. Like <laughs> if, if the ball goes far and goes straight, I don't care what I'm hitting. You know right. what I mean? Right. Right. 
Have right. you used any of those clubs before? I have not used um, Maltby stuff. I, I, I've hit them before, but I haven't, like, put them in my bag. They were – so Golfworks is, was one of our biggest customers at UST. Um, it wasn't one of my accounts, um, but a guy who sat across from me had, had them, and uh, he told me – he played mini tour and D1 college golf, and he told me he went – he had to go up there and check out their, you know, just do a customer visit. And he went up there and he said, one, their warehouse is incredible. But two, he said he hit a couple of the things and he was pleasantly surprised. He goes, would I kick, would I kick a uh, Callaway out of my bag? Probably not because, you know, it's Callaway, but it's pretty good stuff. And I, 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 he was, he's one of those guys. So I'm an equipment guy and he's much of much more of a player guy and he'll, He'll just tell you if he likes something or if it's bad, and he knows within a couple of right. shots. And he was like, "I like it." And he goes, "He goes, I can see how it's successful for them." Well, and that's kind of the thing too. Like you know, like I, I'm not gonna necessarily, you know, I got a Vokey in there. It's not gonna get replaced. Right. But uh, you know, like driving iron thing, like you know, the course that we play is only like probably 6,400 yards. So I, I'm not, you don't, I don't hit it that often. So it's a great. It's one of those things where um, you throw it in the bag because you're not hitting it that much to where right. I, I don't feel obligated. If I, if I spend $300 on a driving iron or 400 I feel like i got to play that, use that club right. quite a bit. Right, right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it's kind of a nice, nice other option. All right, so i got two more questions for you. My first one is, did you see the Cobra 3D printed putter? So, yeah, I, I kind of saw the, the, the uh, headlines for that, and it kind of did like one of those double takes. Like, wow, really, we're doing this now? <laughs> like, the crazy new technologies in golf um, that they have come out with. But, uh, and I was kind of skeptical uh, about it because I, I, I didn't know, you know, Cobra doesn't really produce much putters. I think. Yeah, this is their first I putter in a long remember. time. I was going to say, I don't even know when the last time that Yeah, uh, it's been a long Cobra time. Even had a putter. Um, so I, I, I was kind of worried if I didn't want to make like be too gimmicky, like, Hey, we're just going to try this crazy technology idea out. But, um, I, I had saw that they were able to, you know, kind of put more of the weight on the ends of the putter mm-hmm. to make it more stable. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's something I think actually that, you know, I obviously you've got to pick it up and use it, but if they had the technology, the ability to do that, to make it kind of more, uh, your putting stroke better, I think it's something that could actually stick for them. Yeah, it's that that's one of the big benefits of 3D printing. I think it's a I think it's a huge huge step in a in a very awesome it's a huge step forward in an awesome way for uh, golf manufacturing in general. If we can figure out how to 3D put how to 3D print things much more effectively where we can do it, it allows the engineers to do a lot more stuff with it if that makes sense. So like yeah you can you don't have to you don't have to have start with a solid piece of metal right or anything like that you can put support rods in there to support the middle of the to support the club while moving all that weight to the to the toe and the and the heel i think it's a it's really cool the way they're able to do it like a putter starts as a solid block of metal well it's hard to make a deep cavity and then hollow it out in the middle while still making it a solid piece well 3d printing allows them to do that so that's a really really cool thing that they're that they're doing there yeah absolutely i think it's something unique you know we'll see how it kind of lasts um and and holds up and um you know like you said it it just kind of the the new wave of um what's about to be 2021 technology Mm -hmm. that is getting implemented in the golf world to make you know the game no better for for the common golfer and um, I'm sure tr- I'm intrigued by it. I really am. I, I don't know what's next in terms of that, but it, right now it seems like everybody's trying to figure something out that's different. Yep. Yep. All right. Final question. And since I said, I'm bringing golf Twitter to life, what's your stance on the di- distance debate? Yeah. Um, this is, it seems that uh, the distance debate is basically politics in the golf world. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you're either, you, you know, you're crucified. So does that make me rude for asking? <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh, 
it, it seems like you're crucified if you're on the fence of one side or the other. Uh, right. You know, it seems like there's not too many people on the middle ground of things. Like you have one big niche on, on Twitter that that uh, despises how far golf ball is going. Then you have uh, some other people that don't even care. Like, yep. you know, not even. And I really do think there's a big percentage of the population that doesn't really care about how far the ball goes mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and, and I don't want to give you a teeter totter answer, but uh, I I think it's a it's a very very big like deep you know different direction and like there's not simplicity to this and and what I mean by that is there's just so many different things like you know you talk about the clubs and the courses that keep expanding you know their their tee boxes and putting up trees and putting up the fences. Um, and then you talk about the, the, the manufacturers and, you know, research and development they've done and they've put out, you know, all this money to, to make you know money off their product. Mm-hmm. And then you dive into like the amateur side of things and, you know, where's the line drawn? And it, it's a tough sell. I, to me, I, I would just freeze the ball right now where it's at. I don't think we need to roll it back. Um, and the reason I say that, I, and I don't really know, and maybe you would, enlighten me more on this like i i've heard people say you know well it's not fair if someone's 90 yards in front of the other person but if you roll it back you know they're still going to be 90 yards in front of the person right right you know what i mean that's always been a thing for me is it's not like you're just making dustin johnson and bryson roll back like zach johnson has to go back 15 percent as well exactly and (laughs) i i would it's one of those things where distance you know you're kind of like born with that like in the baseball Mm -hmm. term like if I throw 100 miles per hour and somebody else throws at 95, you're not going to give me a weighted baseball and be like, hey, well, you throw it too fast. Right. You know, you're going to have right. to bring it back down. Yep. And I'm kind of like, well, I'm kind of born to build. Though. And, and I, I get the understanding of, of different things. I do think it's been like I read Tiger's 1997 master's book. Uh, and, you know, he, he basically the, Augusta has worked on Tiger proofing. That was the year he was hitting wedges in the par fives. Mm-hmm. This has been going on for a long time. You know, I think Bryson's brought life to it because he's kind of been more of this content machine because he's out there like King Griffey Jr. swinging the club. Yeah, <laughs> nobody really likes him. It. Yeah, and he's trying to bomb it, so it's bringing more light to, to things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's such a tough thing. I, I think if you can freeze it now and, and and keep building on stuff. The other thing, and this may sound rude, like – I don't know how people like opinion on it. But like I've heard a lot of people say, well, Augusta national spent like 30 million to buy land. And I'm kind of like, I get that, but they also make like 45 million a year on licensing. Right, <laughs> so right. it's hard for me to really shed a tear when, you know, someone brings those, that thing up and says like, you know, Hey, well, they're spending so much money. I'm like, well, you know how much money they're bringing in? Like, it, it's not, and it's not like they're losing. My, my problem is I don't see the problem with somebody shooting 10 under like I don't is it more fun to watch him shoot one over for a tournament yeah it can be fun watching a US Open like that but I'm not offended when somebody plays good golf like that's what yeah, that's yeah, what me about it. and and me either to bring back your baseball analogy like sure you may be able to throw it 100 and that guy throws it 92 but if that guy can paint the corners he's that's a talent too like exactly I can throw it 100. My talent is I can throw it 100. His talent is he can throw it 92 and paint the corners. Like that's – why do we punish one talent over another? Because it doesn't exactly. look as pretty? Like that doesn't – I don't care. Like the goal of golf is to shoot the lowest score. It's not to shoot the lowest score while hitting a cut in a fade and a draw. You know, it, that's not the goal of the game. The goal of the game is to shoot as low as possible, so. No, I think you're absolutely right. You know, and I knew Matthew Fitzpatrick had made some comments. I think he kind of clarified them a while back, but it was kind of on the lines of basically like, you know, it's not really a skill to hit it far. Like I could put on weight and hit it far. I'm like, no, like if it's that easy, then everybody would do it. Right. Like I, I don't think it's that Then why don't, don't you, Matthew? Exactly. And I think <laughs> that's a, like where the thing is like, you know, you've seen Rory and, and DJ had talked about hitting a longer driver at the possibility at the Masters and didn't, but – um, I don't think that these people are necessarily like all of a sudden after a distance craze. I think they saw what Bryson has done and they're kind of like, Hey, a- am I leaving 20 yards out there? Right. Like, am I, I'm, am I getting my full potential in, out there? And I think that's something where they're, 
granted they're chasing distance, but it's also not like, Hey, I'm going to completely ruin my game. I just think they see aspects of like, Hey, am I not doing the most I can, mm-hmm. you know, for my game? So yep. yeah, it's a, it's a dicey one. You know, you see people that say, you know, the, the holes aren't getting played the, the way they're, they're supposed to be played. And it's, uh, I just, there's so many layers to it that you, you unpack. Sure. I think we're too, we're too far, um, down this road mm-hmm. for us to like pull the plug and say, nope, pros are going to be rolled back. Amateurs are going to stay the same because you know this, I know this, you know, the marketing strategy, you can argue that, you know, pros and, and amateurs don't play the same game or clubs, but I can promise you there's people out there that, that will go out and pay $600, a thousand dollars for a driver and a shaft just because, yep. you know, Tiger plays it. So absolutely. I mean, and why you, do you, you think could, the blue board is it. so – why do you think the Diamante blue board is the most popular shaft of all time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I I never personally liked Nike clubs back yeah. in the day, but they were everywhere. I remember yep. when, when Tiger was playing, they were everywhere. When Rory signed with them, they were everywhere. Like, So yep. that right there, to me at least, is like marketing, it, it sells. Yep. You know. So. For sure. Well, that's all I got. I appreciate you coming on. If you want to plug your website and your in your blog and what you got going on, feel free to do so right now. Yeah, hey, Robert, I really appreciate it. You can find my stuff on InsideTheGrip.com. We'll have to do this again um, sometime down the road, and we'll talk and see what what else is new in the equipment world and uh, golf business and stuff. But yeah, I love the site and um, really appreciate it. Well, thanks, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye bye. I once again want to thank Matt for coming on the show. I really appreciate him taking time out of his day to uh, come on the show, interact with me, answer some questions, have some good conversation. So again, follow him on social media. And if you haven't subscribed, review this podcast, rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Any feedback like that is great. You can also find me on social media at the green fee on instagram if you search the green fee on facebook i'll be on there on twitter i am at the green fee one and i also have a blog that i am running about golf equipment and you can find it at thegreenfee.wordpress.com i tend to post the most up-to-date information on the blog whenever i get information i will post it there so it's a great follow i uh hope you enjoy it and Hit him straight, folks.